thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. I want to invite you to grab a bulletin. On the back of your bulletin, you're going to find an outline. I would tell you that outline would be helpful today. It may or may not be. I'm kind of not jumping from the whole topic. I'm just uh, not going to spend a lot of time on your outline, okay? Um, You can use it to take some notes on, but if you have your own Bible today, uh, I hope you have a pen with you. Uh, I want you to take some notes in the margin of your Bible because I think you're going to see this text in a light that you've not seen it in before. Uh, Our text this morning is Luke chapter 7, Luke 7. If you'll go there uh, with me, I'm going to set it up just a little bit before we jump into it. Um, We're in a series called Not a Fan, and uh, Not a Fan is for lack of a better term, very, very rich in what it offers and a fresh look at some things. I want you to listen to a a passage of Scripture. It's not the Luke passage, but I want you to hear this passage right here uh, before we jump in. Matthew's Gospel in chapter 15, verse 8 says this, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Listen to it again. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now, I want you to go to Luke 7. And I want to set this up just a little bit because we're going to look at, we're about to see an encounter between two people, an incredible encounter. Now, these two people, they're so much alike, but they're so different. Because each of them have a real heart's desire and a deep desire to know the Messiah, Jesus. But they take such different and contrast paths to get there. But their different paths of getting there mm, causes one to do something radical and reckless and the other one to miss it totally. You have Simon, who is a Pharisee, a religious leader, who has spent his life studying the Word. You do not want to play Bible trivia with Simon. You will get spanked, I'm just telling you. He knows the dinosaurs by name, the weight, their size. He knows the ark. He knows how big the cross was. He can tell you how much that tomb rock weighed. He can tell you the diameter of the tomb. He can tell you all that stuff, every bit of it. He probably knows Jesus' sandal size, you know. I mean, he knows it all. So he knows his stuff, man. And he has studied the Word. And his whole desire is to, 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 to know him, but to know of him, just have knowledge. But it, And all of that knowledge for Simon almost made him ignorant when he came face to face with him. And then you have what Scripture calls a sinful woman. We know she's a prostitute. Okay? We have her on the whole different perspective, whole different, you know, I mean, whole different rim of life. She... She's in pursuit of something more. She's 
She's hurting. She's hungry. She's hopeless. But all she knows is that life. And she's heard of Jesus. She's heard of the Messiah. She's seen Jesus teach. But she, she thinks, look at him and look at me. He's not going to spend any time with me. I mean, I can't approach Jesus like I am. And so you have this encounter between these two people. And Simon being the religious leader, Jesus is teaching and teaching and teaching. And he's right there beside him. And he's in the crowd. He's, he's the backdrop to the Simon speech. Okay? And he's always there. And, and, and you know the, the woman has heard Jesus teach because why? Because the miracles that he does is out in public, in the streets. And she's a street woman. And the, and the miracle that takes place just before this encounter is the son who is dead. And they're walking through the street. He's in a coffin. And, and they cry out, save my son. And Jesus goes over and lays his hand on the coffin and speaks into it. And the boy sits up. Sits up. Now, if you're the woman in the street and you see that. What must be going through her mind? She's probably thinking, I need that resurrection in my life. I, do, I need it bad. I want you to continue to remember Matthew 5, 8 in your head. These people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Go to Matthew, I mean, Luke 7. Here's where we pick it up. Luke 7, look at verse 36. Verse 36, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And when a woman had lived a sinful life in that town, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought, she, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume as, as it, and stood behind him at his feet weeping. And she began to weep on his feet with her tears. And when she weeped... The, Wedded, wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is and that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 denaro and the other 50. And neither of them had the money to pay him back, so, they can't, so he canceled the debt on both of them. Which one of them would love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had a bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I have come into your house. You did not give me water, for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time she's entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, and she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this 
who even forgives sin. And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Mm. I want you to see this story. These homes back then had an outside eating area. And what they would do is they would recline at the table. You and I sit at a table. Well, we, at least we attempt to sit at tables. And so they would lay a blanket or a towel down, and they would sit on this blanket or towel on their hip, feet stretched out from the table, and they would recline on a pillow. And the food is in the middle. Now, if you were right-handed, you, it would be very wise not to recline on your right hand because it's really hard to eat, okay? So you had to think about it a little bit, okay? Now, here is Jesus. He's just taught, okay? Just did that miracle. He invi- Simon invites Jesus to his house. Now, understand that Simon did this out of duty. He was going to impress people, boy. Jesus at my house. And there were some other people there. We know that. There were probably Pharisees as well because they wanted Jesus, but they wanted his knowledge, and that's it. They just wanted the knowledge of Jesus. And so here they are in this setting, and it's outside. They've got a wall. It's kind of a uh, canopy that overhangs it, probably not covered. And all along there are street people walking. And here they are eating outside, very visible to the public. Very visible. Now, it's the custom that when you invite a guest over to your house, that you, when they come in, you greet them with a kiss. If they are equal value socially as you, it's a kiss on the cheek. If they are a person of honor, it's a kiss on the hand. It's a dipping and a kiss on the hand. Jesus got neither from Simon. It's also customary that you wash their feet. Okay, their feet are exposed, their sandals, they're dirty. They don't have asphalt and concrete. They're dirty. They don't go to the table dirty, okay? So you wash their feet. It's a sign of honor. You either wash their feet, have your servant wash their feet, or you offer them a basin of water, and they wash their own feet. He got neither. Neither. And the other custom is oil. It is customary that you would give oil, they would anoint their head, and then you recline at the table. No oil. None. So here's a man named Simon who knew all the scriptures. And all he knew the law. He knew the custom, boy. He was a classy cat. But when Jesus walked in, let me tell you Simon's heart. <laughs> I bet he feels lucky coming to my house. I bet he feels real lucky getting to eat with me. Real lucky. He showed no respect, no honor, none whatsoever. So they begin to go to the table and they begin to eat. And this woman who has seen Jesus do these miracles in the streets and has watched him, she is so intrigued by him. She knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is something different about this guy. She has seen miracle after miracle, but has been scared they're approaching because she's thinking, there's no way, no way he would have anything to do with me. None. None. She can't help herself because she knows Jesus is in there. And she comes up to the wall, 
And she peeks in. And she sees him reclined at the table. And so she approaches the group. Now, can you imagine the glares that this woman gets? The Pharisees are sitting here. The hierarchy. The Jesus quiz champions. And they're all there. And here comes a prostitute. Walks into this outer court area. And Jesus' feet are reclined out, remember. And she is behind him and they're eating and they're quizzing Jesus. And she walks into there and at his presence alone, just looking at him, she is met with a look of love. He doesn't move. He continues to eat with them. And she just begins to weep. And as she weeps, her tears hit his feet. And as, her, as those tears hit, her, hit his feet, they make marks. And she realizes that his feet are dirty. They're dirty. Her tears should not have left a mark on clean feet. But they left a mark. Kind of like these rains we get out here. 50 mile an hour winds, dirt, and we had splattered cars. That's what his feet looked like as those drops hit him. Okay? And so she, I mean, absolutely <laughs> random. I mean, I'm talking way out of her comfort zone. Way, I mean, I'm telling you, she got some guts. She kneels down and begins to weep even more at his feet. And realizing that she's got his feet very, very wet, she begins to let her hair down. Now, understand something. That right there is huge. Because it is customary back then for a woman to never let her hair down to, uh, in front of any man except her husband. That is a sign of intimacy. That is a sign of surrendering yourself to him. That is, that, you don't do that. And you've got these Pharisees right here, and this woman lets her bun of that hair down and begins to wipe his feet with her hair. You can imagine these Pharisees. What does she think she is doing? Her, the gall she has to do this. And she's crying, and she's wiping his feet. And then... Unbeknownst to her that there's no oil offered by Simon, takes out perfume that she has around her neck. And understand the perfume for her is sacred because she dabs perfume on each time she changes man to cover the scent of another. She takes all she's got, her livelihood, everything that she's got, and she empties it on his feet. Empties it. And I want you to understand something. Jesus wants to know you so bad. This woman did not let anything stand in that way. I want you to look at a passage of Scripture. I want you to look at it. We just, we just read it. Look at verse 39 again. Now, let's do this. Before we get there. I don't want to get ahead. Go back to Psalm 139, 139. Go to Psalm 139. Look at Psalm 139, verse 1. 
Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. I want you to see something in this text. They're at this table. She does this act, okay, or this sign of worship to Jesus. Pick up verse 39. She's just dumped the perfume all over his feet. Look at verse 39 of Luke 7. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, that's a key phrase right there, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. There's a word called yada. Yada simply means in Hebrew to know. They use the word yada a lot in Psalm 139. It's used six times there. Let me tell you what it means. To know completely and to be completely known. In Genesis 4.1, on your outline, you'll see it in the King James Version. It says, Adam knew Eve, his wife. Adam yada Eve, okay? He knew her what? Completely and was completely known by her. In the, key, in the NIV, they put the emphasis on the act itself. It says in there, Adam lay with his wife Eve. Now understand something. That is the ultimate intimacy in a marriage. Okay? At that moment, they know each other like they've never known each other before. That's a, that's a level of that. So here's the woman who lets down her hair, wipes the feet of Jesus as a sign of intimacy completely to know you. And Jesus says, I, I'm absolute. That's exactly what I'm after. But I don't have that with Simon. And Simon, in his heart, says, if this guy was a prophet, he'd know who she was. He'd know. He'd know that she's a sinful woman. A sinful woman. Where does he say that? He says it to himself. He says it to himself. And Jesus, because Jesus knows what? Your thoughts, even from afar. Look at his answer to him. It's a chilling answer. He gives a little parable there. But look at 44. This is the answer. Then he turned towards the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I have come into this house, and you did not give me water for my feet, but she has wept on my feet with her tears. And, you, and she wiped them with her hair, and you did not even give me a kiss, but this woman has not stopped kissing my feet. And you did not pour oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. And then he goes on to say that her sins are forgiven. I want you to see something, church. What you're seeing here is a fan and a follower. Mm. The fan is at a distance. Not going to do anything reckless. Not going not gonna to take a chance. Going to keep Jesus pretty much as a weekend fleeing. 
a Sunday junkie. When it runs out, I come and I give me a little more. And I kind of get filled up at the gas station, as some people say. My friend, that is not why he died. Jesus does not want to be your weekend fling. He wants to be your Savior, your King. He wants to have a personal, daily relationship with you. He wants to meet with you on a daily basis. He wants you to abandon uh, yourself. He wants you to be reckless. He wants you to go out of your way and do something that you would not do. He doesn't want you to program your relationship with the king. He does not. If you were sitting here or standing here in the middle of worship one morning, and you knew in your gut and your heart that God said, I need you to come into the altar and just bow before me. Could you move? Could you move? For some of us, we wouldn't move because we are more consumed about what other people might think of us than what Jesus might think of our obedience. What would you do if he asked you? The prostitute didn't care. Who'd she have to impress? She had Jesus' desire is to know us intimately and completely. The second part of that says that God wants to know him, wants us to know him. And you see there in James 4, 8, he says, come near to God and he will come near to you. That is so true because you see it played out in this text right here. You see it played out completely in this text. This woman should not even have been in the presence of the king, goes up to Jesus and is crying at his presence, and the tears hit his feet, and she realizes they are nasty, and she begins to wipe them with her tears, and then she dries them with her hair, okay? And then she pours perfume on him. All of that, my friends, is a sign of worship. All of that is a sign of surrenderance. Every bit of it. Here you've got Pharisees sitting around Jesus. They don't get this, man. They don't get any of this. And it's bound to make him mad. And that's why he answers the way he does. And that's why he interprets the, the heart of Simon. He says, no, 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 no. Do not judge her with your words because she's done the very thing that you should have done. The very thing that you should have done. I want you to look at 48 and we'll finish here. When Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sin? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. And catch these last three words. Go in peace. Can I ask you a question? Has she ever been at peace? No. Never. She's never been at peace. She's never known peace. Not the peace that passes all understanding. Not the peace that the world gives. Jesus says, no, I don't give that peace. The peace of Christ, the peace of Jesus. I don't give the peace of the world. Go in peace. What an incredible statement to say to a woman of the street, to a prostitute. Go in peace. My friends, you have two people here. You have a fan, 
who is a religious leader, who's a Pharisee, who is trying to impress Jesus with his lips, but his heart is so far from him. And then you have the prostitute. And this story is a follower. She abandons everything, 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 and falls at his feet. Scripture tells us that there will be a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. My friends, you can bow willingly or you'll bow eventually. How long has it been for you since you bowed at the feet of the king? Simon couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Brett, pop that slide up for me, buddy. Here's the question today. Who am I most like in this story? (laughs) I know. You never pictured yourself as a prostitute. That's a good person to be right now in this story. You know what I mean? You can be Simon, the spiritual religious leader who's too good to bow before the king. He doesn't even know Jesus, though he's known about him. He doesn't know him. He doesn't know him. I mean, if, if, if passing... A Jesus test got you to heaven. Um, dude, he, he set the curve, man. He busted wide open. Doesn't know him. Doesn't know him. Who am I most like in the story? When is the last time you had a moment with Jesus like this woman in Luke had? When's the last time you had that kind of moment? Next one. When's the last time you've poured yourself out before him? When's the last time you just poured yourself out before him? Last. When's the last time the tears streamed down your face as you expressed your love for him? Mm. I know those are hard questions. But my friends, we can walk in those doors and miss him. We can walk in those doors and miss him, miss him. I'm not talking about the Texas Jesus, the American Jesus, the Baptist Jesus. I'm talking about the Bible Jesus. I'm talking about the king. Are you missing him because you're so much more like Simon then you are the prostitute. Now, don't get me wrong. You, you saying, preacher, this, we don't, need to, we don't need to get in the Word? No, that's not what I'm saying. We don't need to know the Word? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying this. You can know the Word and miss Jesus. You can. I know a man who preached for 42 years and then got saved. He said, that is just impossible. With God, all things are possible, even the impossible, okay? Do you know about him or do you know him? Have you poured yourself before him? Are you so reserved, so guarded, so 
prim and proper and professional that you would never see yourself doing anything like she did. If you're so prim and proper, you can't do that. You, you may miss him and all that he is. You may get a glimpse of him, but you may miss him for who he really is. This morning, I want you to wrestle with the question, who am I in this story? For we're in here. We're the fan Simon, or with a follower, the prostitute. And me and Paxton were talking, and a lot of times, we are both. We are both. We are both. As we move to a time of invitation, I'm going to invite Paxton and the band to come up. I want you to take that question, and I don't want you to dismiss it. I don't want you to run away from it because what you're seeing is the church today. The church has got both in here. We have Simons and we have the prostitute. And Jesus so much wants you to be Simon and know the word, but he doesn't want you so knowledge-based that you are so prim and proper that you cannot bow at the feet of the king and pour yourself out of him. See, so many times we don't need him until we really need him. Friends, become desperate for him every day, for his presence. What would your life look like if you were her every day? What would your life look like? Who are you today? Let's pray together. Father, this morning, as we enter a time of invitation, my prayer, Father, this morning is that these altars up here become like that dining room table that the Pharisees and Jesus pulled themselves up against. But in the midst of that, we as in our eyes might see steps, laminate wood, and concrete floor. But the prostitute, the sinful woman, approached Jesus and knelt down and poured herself out on him. An act of surrender, an act of humility, an act of desperateness. Father, I pray these altars in front of us become a place that we fall down at your feet and cry out to you in love. And maybe for some of us, we might not have a bunch of hair, but we let it down in a sign of intimacy with you and make ourselves very vulnerable to you. God, that we would allow you right now to love all over us. Father, that might break us. But your word is clear that a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. So this morning, Father, during this invitation time, I pray you stir us deep. Don't let us be like Simon 
with all knowledge but miss you. Let us be more like her who abandoned everything and fell at your feet. So Father, this morning, speak, move us. Maybe there's a family here looking for a church home. Pray, Father, they come this morning as well. Father, this invitation is your invitation to us. I pray we respond to you in Christ's name. Amen.